Welcome one and all to episode 190 of the original Giraffe Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox, with me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we are back with previews. We did a little uh, little gambling podcast last week, talking about the the quarterback battles throughout the college football. Well, not all of them, but the big ones that matter and, and could have some impact on potentially... The national championship game, when you look at uh, the fact that Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State all have uh, quarterback battles. But outside of that, how you been, man? I've been good, man. Uh, I spent, uh, I, I think, about a year not telling anybody I was in law school. But now I'm through two years, so I'm going to tell everybody that I made the dean's list this last semester. So um, whether you care or not, uh, I, I feel pretty good about that. But let me tell you guys, uh, if you want to hear all our team previews, they're on Patreon so far. This is the first one, I think, that we are putting out on on the uh, RSS feed. So that's going to go to iTunes, Spotify, etc. So uh, if you want to get the team previews, subscribe, please. And it's two bucks a month to hear those bonus episodes and four bucks a month to to get all of our bonus uh, and, you know, our, our articles and all that stuff. So, uh, but Seth, we're going to talk about Pac-12 tonight. And I the think soon that... To, the soon-to-be defunct Pac-12. The right. last time we'll ever do a Pac-12 preview. It might be. It might be. And it's kind of like uh, if, if you are patrons and you subscribe and you uh, heard our ACC, they did away with the divisions... And I think the Pac-12 has also done that too, right? Correct. Yeah. So we'll just run through and we're going to talk. Of course, this is a draft show. We're going to talk about the the draft eligible players uh, for for the most part. I think we, we might mention a couple guys that aren't draft eligible. But what we're uh, talking about is the draft eligible players. And also, I should note these uh the order we're going in is based on Athlon Sports uh, predictions for how the division is going to stack up. So that is why we're going in this particular order, as always. We've done this for for the last like uh, two or three years, right? Correct. And now we start with the worst team and the team that's going to win. Are we going two? bottom to top? Yeah, maybe okay. two games. Let's do it. Maybe, maybe two games, and that's uh, Stanford. The David Shaw era is over. Um, he did as much as he could, but uh, since 2018, they have not made a bowl, so that's, you know, four straight seasons. And they go to a man named Troy Taylor, who was a Cal Bear interesting enough right um yeah draft drafted in the fourth round of the 1990 nfl draft and has um been around coaching for quite a while he was the sacramento state head coach for the last four seasons uh before that he was the utah offensive coordinator in 2017 and 2018 um and so you look at you look at what he's done, uh, you know, he's he's been a good coach overall. Um, 
it is an interesting hire to hire a 55-year-old coach who's getting his first chance in a Power 5 conference with, like, little to no fanfare, right? Like You said he's it, coming from uh, Sacramento State? Yeah. Okay, so at least he's kind of local. Right. Um, I, I, I'm going through his entire coaching history. He has no connections to Stanford from a coaching aspect. So, like, even when he started in the, in the mid-'90s as a coach – he he was at Cal the whole time, then went to a number of high schools before heading to Eastern Washington, Utah, and then you know Sacramento State. So he is um, again. This is a this is a weird hire coming from David Shaw, but I mean, it as kind much of as speaks we- to where Stanford's program is at, right? Right. <clears throat> this is a, a a school known for academics. And David Shaw did a fantastic job for so long. Well, but, well, that's what I was going to say. From 2011 to 2015, they went to the Fiesta Bowl, the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl, and the Rose Bowl. I mean, and they and they were two and two in the in those Rose Bowls and and Fiesta Bowl. But like you said, 2015. So Shaw even was losing his shine because. This, you know, presumably Stanford is still keeping some academic standards in place where it's just tougher to recruit these schools. We're seeing it at Notre Dame, not to the same level, but it's still, you know, some of these schools are are very stubborn, whether you agree with that or not, that that's uh, they're stubborn about their academic standards. So uh, Stanford has has suffered since. Yeah, like you said, the last four years. Right. And so now they try to turn it back around with uh, Troy Taylor, who's coming from the big sky. So, you know, he technically was a D1 coach, but it was like, what is it, FCS? FCS, yeah. Yeah. So we really, I mean, there's not, and this isn't a shot at them or anything like that. There's just not much to talk about. No, the Uh, draft prospect-wise, they just don't have much. I mean, if you want to talk about Emmett Smith's son, EJ Smith, um, but I think he only had, you know, three or 400 yards rushing. So it's not like he's a big draft prospect. They don't have anybody projected in the, honestly, in the top seven rounds. Everybody that's on Stanford I, I is. Think, I think their biggest one is uh, Benjamin Urasek, the, the tight, tight end. end. Yeah. yeah, who's a junior, I believe. And right now he's projected as a late day three guy. Right. So we have to see how this offense is going to run. And there just isn't much there. Um, let's let's go on to Colorado because I think this is really interesting because of Coach Prime. Well, and, and, and you mentioned that Colorado's next on the list. And it doesn't jive with what we're seeing from the um, – media attention right like like we kind of just breeze through stanford that's typically how you talk about colorado right lately uh but like you said coach prime is the draw he's done a great (laughs) job as well 27 and 6 overall obviously 
Um, again, we're talking about Deion Sanders too, right? We're we're uh, referring to him by his preferred pronouns, basically. <laughs> exactly, and yeah. so, um, you know, he's been twenty-seven and six as a head coach in four seasons. He was, you know, he had the number one FCS team in the country last yeah. year. Um, Fantastic job at Jackson State, right? Um, you can't say enough about that. But and, and you're right, he, Seth. He's taking on a He's he's taking a big bite here. Like Colorado won one game last year, right? So that was here's my first question. Question one is like five wins. Is that a is that a still a success? Yes, it is. Okay. And we'll talk about that more as we progress uh, through these other. Uh, in fact, I think the. Uh, Number eight team we're going to talk about had a similar jump last year, but I, I think you have to view that as, as a success, right? I mean, um, this team won one game, and now uh, Dion brings a lot of star power to the program, and he's brought some fantastic prospects with him. And, you know... Whether you agree with his style or not, like he went, he came in. And he said a lot of you guys aren't going to be here, and then he brought in a ton of transfers. I think Colorado had the most of anybody in the country, but I th- I think honestly the most ever, like ever. it might have been, yeah. But you get like two really high profile transfers, and that's his son Shadur Sanders, and uh, the cornerback wide receiver Travis Hunter who was a five-star recruit, number one overall recruit in the country by some uh, by some sites. But Shadur Sanders, and, and we're not going to talk a lot about Hunter because he's not eligible. He's a sophomore. But Shadur Sanders had 70 touchdowns of 14 picks in two years as a starter for Jackson State and, and added another nine rushing touchdowns. I think he's a legit draft prospect. And he's a junior, so he's eligible to come out this year. And not a lot of people are talking about him. Yeah, it's interesting, but I think it's also the jump from FCS to to the D one. I think it's also the jump from Jackson State to Colorado. Right, which, it's a wait and see. Let's be honest, and I'm not trying to take a shot, but like last year, you probably would have picked Jackson State to be Colorado, wouldn't you have? Yeah, probably. I mean, uh, Colorado is is coming from nowhere, right? Which is is to me. Let me ask you this: Like, would you have thought this would be the job that uh, Deion Sanders would jump to? No, I, actually, I, I really I... thought that he would just stick it out at Jackson State another year, waiting for a bigger job. Right, and it's something that you and I have talked about, obviously off the air. Uh, in text we really didn't think it would happen and because this is just another stepping stone right like if he wins say he wins four or five games this year and then next year wins eight right he's going to be pursued by other bigger programs so this is to me this is a, a complete stepping stone and I don't get why this was the one. 
I didn't think it was going to happen, but they, they threw the money at him. Yeah. And, um, you know, Sanders has really produced the last two years at Jackson State, 7,000 yards, uh, 40 touchdowns. And I think he has 10 rushing as well, right? Nine rushing, sorry. sorry. Yeah. Um, they also brought in a couple um, a couple wide receivers. I forgot to check if they were draft eligible. Uh, one was, uh, oh, goodness, where did his name go? Jimmy Horn. Right. Um, who was at USF and had quite a productive yeah he he's draft eligible jimmy horn is he had a quite a productive um you know I, they list him as a junior i don't know he's one of the covid kids but he averaged 15 yards per reception um and then they brought in another one uh xavier weaver um and so again they're like building a team Basically, Weaver from, was from where UCF, I believe so. Yeah, um, and he's like a fifth year kid. Mm-hmm. No, he's also from South Florida. So okay, they, okay. Wow, they they just took the two the two best receivers from South Florida. They were like, <laughs> here we go, um, you know. And so the he portal had, in action, right? He had over seven hundred yards and six touchdowns last year. So you know they'll give San Shadur Sanders a couple good athletes. Um, and then they have a running back from Houston who's draft eligible, but I doubt will come out, but we should at least mention him because he had a nice he had a nice season in 2021 before getting hurt last year, and that was uh, Alton McCaskill, uh, right. who, who averaged over five yards of carry and had 16 touchdowns um, rushing. So It's funny you know, we're talking this much about the 11th, uh, place team according to Athlon Sports in the Pac-12 but they are one of the most intriguing teams not just in the Pac-12 but in all college football because of the situation of Dion coming becoming the head coach and bringing all these transfers so we don't really know what to expect I mean we say three four wins might be a a win for Dion but he's he's gunning for better than that and the track record is good. I mean, he's had great results. Uh, I don't know what Jackson State was like before he got there, but he turned them into a double-digit win team each of his uh, couple seasons there, and then uh, ultimately, you know, puts together, you know, a juggernaut. So right. what are we talking about here? Uh, next on the list is... ASU, yeah, who has a new head coach in Kenny uh, Dillingham, who I believe was the defensive coordinator at Oregon. Am I wrong about that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to trust I, you on that. I should probably know since I live here, but yeah, yeah whatever. Um, but yeah, so they have a new head coach. Not a whole lot expected this year, um, unfortunately for him. Um, you know they they've got very light. Yeah, he was sorry. He was their uh, OC and quarterback coach. I apologize. Why, so why would uh, Athlon put ASU over Colorado? I think they have more like already in the program talent, like mm-hmm. that's known, and so that's where it comes from. Um, 
you know, the offense wasn't that bad. Emory Jones left. <laughs> He's on to the next thing. Uh, but they have uh, Trenton Borgett, who did Where did nice uh, Emory Jones go? Cincy. Oh, yeah, right. And then uh, they brought in... That's his third stop after... Right. Florida, right? Yep, and then they brought in Drew Pine of, of right. uh, Notre Dame. So both those guys... And Pine are, is competing for the job. He's not... He's not being gifted the job. No, it'll probably be Borgett, if I had to guess. He took, on day one, he took most of the snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got they've got good receivers. They seem to always, I mean, no matter who the coach is, they always seem to produce good receivers, which is odd, right? Like, how does that happen? Oh, but, it's uh, party school, and you have uh, very beautiful ladies yeah. at ASU. Um, um, but Elijah Badger is the next one in line. Right. He, he, and he he's had, come from FCS, right? No, no. He's been at ASU for three years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Badger has been there for three years. He, uh, he had 866 yards last year, seven touchdowns. And then they have a tight end and Jalen, uh, Conovers. You're thinking of, uh, Xavier gallery. Yes. That's who I'm thinking of. of. Yep. And so, um, you know, the offense will be the strength this year. And, and They have another big-time transfer, though, coming in from Oklahoma and Clayton Smith. Yeah, on on the defensive side of the ball. He was so a four, four-star guy and didn't get the PT at Oklahoma. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Seth, but ASU expects this guy to be a breakout guy. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, like you said, his his – time as a prospect he was i mean we're talking about the number 50 overall prospect in the country and the number three overall edge rusher in the country right like when he was coming out so this is a big time get for them um why did he go there (laughs) i think it's just playing time right right it it becomes one of those things that you look at that you just say oh this is a guy that or he's going to get the best chance here. That's what they're 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 telling this guy, "Hey, come here. You're going to play every down and you're going to put up numbers, right?" Right. And so that's that's, you know, again, not a great team, but a team to watch. Um next on the list Cal. is Cal, Cal Berkeley. Again, another team that's trying to find their footing justin wilcox now their quarterback we talked about uh plumber he went on to he went back to uh he went to the acc he went to louisville but he also went back to uh, his coach brian his coach yeah yeah so i mean it's just one of those things or jeff brom right yeah jeff brom yeah so now cal is they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback. They don't have anybody really who's uh, a big time draft prospect. So we got Jackson Sermon. His brother was a quarterback prospect, right? Uh, a big, like a five star quarterback. I forget. Uh, but they both went to Washington. Jackson Sermon's been at Cal for a couple of years now, but he's back for a sixth year. 
and he's really the only guy on draft radars, right? Right. I don't think I don't even think their quarterback, their high quarterback prospect, uh, or the guy they they hope is going to win the job, Sam Jackson. No, not that one. Um, <laughs> from the it's TCU the one that says bad MF on it. <laughs> right. The, the TCU transfer, I truly don't even think he'll be a, a prospect, it, even if he comes out and puts up, like, Heisman-worthy numbers. Because we're talking about a guy that's 5'10", 170 pounds. Right. Like, like, it's just, it is what it is at this point. Um, so, yeah. So, again, another team that is, it's just tough to kind of find names and players that are going to. Let me ask have, you this, though. Like. Why is, honestly, with Dion coming in at Colorado, why why would Athlon put Colorado behind ASU and Cal? I think it's just easier to. <laughs> I think I think Colorado is going to be a better team than both those teams. I think they'll be closer to the middle of the pack. I yeah, I, I I agree with you. Um, but there yeah. is like like I said, Sermon, um. Sixth year guy, he's probably not gonna be drafted or he's gonna be a late late day three pick. But he's productive. Hundred four tackles, six tackles for loss, uh three and a half sacks, four PBUs, and he uh supposedly runs in the four seven. So this guy's I mean on paper draftable. Right. And they actually have um Oh, sorry. Next on the list, I was reading the next one. Okay. Notes. Next on the list is Arizona. Arizona. Uh, they lost their best player in a guy we'll talk about later. Yeah. But they replaced him with somebody else's best wide receiver. Not right? really. Like, I mean, that the, the other guy was on the team last year. Oh, yeah, that's right. Cowing was still there, yeah. wasn't he? So, you know, you look at it, they've got – they're going to be an interesting group this year. I think Arizona is actually not that bad. Yeah, they have Jaden Delora back. Uh, I don't is think he? he's. Re- it, or is he done? I thought he was done. Check that. I am right now. All right, but I'll so I'll take it from here. They went from one and eleven in Jed Fish's first uh, in uh, the year before Jed Fish took over to five and seven. So I think that's notable. Um, they actually have a guy who might be a day two pick, and that's offensive tackle Jordan Morgan. Uh, he's he's small. He's six six, three hundred twenty pounds. So he projects as an offensive tackle because of the size. So even if you don't think he has the athleticism uh, to play left tackle, he he could play right tackle at that size. And then, as Seth alluded to, you got uh, uh, Jacob Cowling, who he's listed at 5'11", 175. He's he's a small guy. And Delora is back this year. Oh, nice. So Cowling is back for a second year at Arizona, and he's coming off two straight thousand-year seasons between UTEP, where he transferred from, and Arizona, where he transferred to. At uh, UTEP in 2021, he had a 1,300-yard season, and he had, a, uh, I think, 69 catches. And then for Arizona, he had something like 85 catches for 
just over a thousand yards. Cowling is uh, look at look at the receivers that have been drafted the last couple of years. Uh, he, Cowling's he right in that the... ballpark. I mean, he's small. He's 5'11", 175, but NFL teams don't seem to care about that. So I think Arizona actually has some decent draft prospects. Yeah, and you look at it, the, the name to watch, and I know this is kind of boring, is actually their offensive coordinator, Brennan Carroll who's the son of Pete Carroll. Yes. And so they're, uh, they finished sixth in the nation in passing offense. Um, what, since he came on. So like he, he's kind of the guy to kind of keep an eye on. Cause like you were talking about with coach prime, this is probably just a small stepping stone, right? And in, in his, yes, that's a good note way. because, uh, I think, with that note and talking about these players, Arizona and Colorado actually have a lot of breathing room to go up in this in this conference, right? Yep. And next on the list you got uh Washington, Wazoo. Washington State. Um you know, they're in a interesting spot. Jake Dickert's back for his second full season, third season overall after whatever happened a couple of years ago. Um, what happened? I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I just work here. We won't talk about it. So, and they've got a, a quarterback uh, who returns that, you know, quite frankly, was up and down last year. I think people expected a little more from Cameron Ward after his uh, transfer in from Incarnate Word. Yep. Uh, he threw for 3,200 yards and 23 touchdowns. He wasn't uh, bad at all. I mean, no, that, no that's really solid, but uh, he got unjustified hype. I mean, we could say that. He was a redshirt sophomore, and now – Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's a redshirt junior. He's still – he could be a Wazoo for another yeah. uh, year after this, right? Right. And the thing to know about this is they brought in um, Western Kentucky's offensive coordinator. And Western Kentucky has been putting up absurd passing numbers. And so I think you're going to get back into uh, the Mike Leach era type of things, RIP Mike Leach. But um, – uh, so know, sad. I think you're going to see a kind of a return to that after a down year. Because remember, two years ago, under this uh, Arbuckle kid, Ben Arbuckle, and I say kid because he's only 27, uh, Western Kentucky quarterback Bailey Zappi threw for 6,000 yards. <laughs> so That's insane. So I think we're going to see a little more, you know, I think we're going to see a little more of that uh, from – wazoo this year and cam ward and and you think about cam ward if you would have stayed at incarnate word um his i forget what the kid's name was uh lindsey something right lindsey scott who played who came in after uh cam ward at incarnate word and he threw for um, like six thousand yards i mean that that was a aired out offense cam ward I'm not saying he's a bad prospect, uh, 
because people blew smoke about this kid, but um, I could see this guy thriving. And, and 30, what, 3,200 yards, uh, 23 touchdowns, nine picks, five rushing touchdowns. It's still a good season uh, coming out of Pullman. I mean, right. come on now. I, it, it's, but it's funny because the guys that gassed him are bailing on him now. Yeah, and you and I never gassed him. We never gassed him up. Well, and what they're doing is they're adding, uh, shockingly, they're adding weapons from other places. They they added uh, the top receivers from UNLV, Fresno State, and San Jose State. Okay. So, so like it's not like they're going to be guys that are household names, but they're guys that could be you know day three names to know as as you know the season goes on and you're like whoa there was a you know 1300 yard receiver at wazoo you know kyle lincoln victor was there last year and then uh kyle williams josh kelly and isaiah hamilton are all transferring in you know draft eligible guys so so i like this uh i like this call wazoo seven very it's conservative but uh they could actually be much better than this Next is UCLA, and and we talked about this in our in our quarterback <laughs> debate last week, because this is a really interesting one, because Chip Kelly in his um, his fourth year. How long has he been there now? He's been there. Is it know. is it really? Six I think it's six six years. Holy cow! Yeah, it feels like just yesterday. They recruit like crazy, though. Yeah, they really pull recruits, but they've well, had he, DTR at, there for four years, yeah. five years. Well, and they really have given Kelly time. I think that's why it feels like it's so long. They can. It, they have the luxury because nobody expects uh, UCLA to be a top program. So, I mean, the year they had last year, people are happy with that. The boosters are are happy. They did get, you know, a huge recruit in Dante Moore. Again, go check out the podcast from last week um, on the Patreon. We talk about that. You know, it's it it was a big get for them. And and we debated like, do you go with with the guy that's the upside, or do you go with a guy in Ethan Garbers who's draft eligible, who who could fit? Um, and it sounds like they're going with the freshman. That's which, what. It's- I mean, they but they kind of did that with uh, DTR, man, and they let him grow with the team, and and it worked. It ended up working. I mean, for the type of program that UCLA is. Yeah, and they have two uh, veteran offensive linemen who just tend to get drafted: Duke Clemens, Garrett DiGiorgio, um, and then their their defense, though. Have we ever said this about a Chip Kelly team? Their defense is where you could see uh, two guys go early in the draft, right? And and by early, we mean top 100. Yeah. You got uh, Laietu Latu, who finished with, uh, I think, what, 12 sacks last year? He had 10 and a half, I think, per sports reference. Yeah, 12 uh, and a half times. I think he led the Pac-12 in sacks. And then uh, 
Darius Musa, who we I think we talked about him last year because he was the Hawaii transfer, right? And we were kind of surprised um, he didn't. If he we didn't go pr- if we talked about him, your memory is better than mine. But um, I want to talk about Carson Steele, which is a great uh, porn name. Yeah. But also, uh, this guy's a running back coming from Ball State, and they have uh, Zach Charbonnet is gone, and they need a running back. Carson Steele comes in. He at Ball State, he had fifteen hundred fifty-six rushing yards, fourteen touchdowns, and also twenty-nine catches, and I think another uh, touchdown through the air. So Carson Steele, he is a white running back. He's going to get the requisite uh, Christian McCaffrey comps, right? But he's not that level of a player. But he is a really good player. And the fact that he he's stepping up a level from Group of Five, Mac, and going to UCLA, I think this guy's going to have a huge, huge year because I think UCLA is going to go with the the uh, freshman quarterback. So you're gonna you're you're going with freshman quarterback. You're gonna lean heavy on this junior running back, and he's built like a prototype. You know, uh, Steele's built like the prototypical uh, NFL running back. And I don't know what his speed's like, but from what I gather, he's he's like a four or five guy. So, uh, UCLA is a moving team to me. Like, they they recruit so well. And you mentioned Latu, a guy who's a dangerous pass rusher. Uh, UCLA, is, they, they find guys. Chip Kelly's done a great job of recruiting there. And I like what they're doing. Um, Athlon, I think, has them a little low at six. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think it's just the unknown of the quarterback, right? It is. It is. So they're hedging. They're they're playing it safe, which I get. Next is Oregon State. Um, and they went 10-3 and three last year, for those of you who don't stay up until 10.30 uh, <laughs> p.m. Pacific time to watch football. Um, you know, and, and so they come into this year – and the question becomes, can they repeat that success? And they have a former top recruit in the country in, in DJ Ugalele, right? It's it's crazy that they went ten and three, and their quarterback was um, I think Ben Gulbertson, basically, and he only started maybe seven or eight games. And DJU is a huge step up, regardless of what you think about him. Um, he's been a disappointment when you think about him as a five-star recruit, as a Clemson quarterback. But he's a huge step up for them in this conference and com- compared to what they started last year. And, I mean, this guy threw for 2,500 yards, 22 touchdowns, seven picks, and seven rushing touchdowns last year. They also have an offensive lineman who is expected to be uh, um, their top prospect. And that's uh, Joshua Gray. 
And even though he's, he's a, I, I believe Seth, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he's their left tackle. He projects to guard, but he's still projected to be like a top 100, 120 pick, right? Yeah. So Oregon State is kind of legit in this con in this conference. And DJU, I think he's going to have a big year. You know, it's going to be interesting because you mentioned uh, Gray, and he is 100% their top player or top prospect outside of maybe DJU. But can, they were trying- can DJU salvage, like, day two pick status? I mean, if he puts up another 10-plus win season. Look at what's happening with Bo Nix, right? Right. Oh, and maybe he, I mean, would they grant him another year of eligibility? I don't know what the rules are. <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, he's, um, yeah, he would be a senior, right? Yeah, he's technically a senior. but like He is uh, listed as a senior because he played significant snaps as a freshman, and they started two years. But you saw, like, uh, I, and I'm not trying to gas this guy up, but he had nine touchdowns, ten picks as a sophomore, and, and people were just completely out on him. And then he comes back next year, uh, this past year, 22 touchdowns, seven picks, seven rushing touchdowns. We saw the shortcomings. Like Clemson wasn't Clemson with DJU as compared to with Trevor Lawrence and and Deshaun Watson. But uh, this is now we're talking about him at Oregon State. He's a second or third round pick. And here's the craziest thing to me. Um, you know, we mentioned uh, Gray. They have another lineman, Talisi Fuaga, who will probably be draftable. Um, but they have three running backs that gained total, total, over uh, 2,000 yards, and they're all three back. Uh, their top three backs from last year are all back this year. <laughs> And they're all different kind of backs. You know, Damian Martinez is their top guy. He's going to get the most touches, average over six yards a carry. Um, he's kind of the, like, he's kind of your every down back. Uh, Deshaun Fenwick is your big guy, 6'2", 230. Um, he's, your, he's your short yardage guy. Um, and then they, they've got another guy in J- Jam Griffin who was at Georgia Tech um, who is kind of is the guy that spells Martinez. So, it's going to be interesting how their offense is going to look because I don't think a lot's going to be put on DJU, man. And, the, I mean, that's probably the best situation he could ask for. And when you have uh, their coach, I believe his name's Jonathan Smith. Is that right? It's very, <laughs> it's a very uh, basic name. Yeah, basic Jonathan name, Smith. but 10-3, um, to three, man. Like, nobody thought they would be there. So. No, and again, you look at what they've done: two and ten, five and seven, two and five, and then seven and six, ten and three. Like they've really kind of yeah improved over the over the Smith tenure, uh, but they're still behind their in-state rivals, Oregon, who which I think both, is legit for Athlon to put them behind Oregon. Oregon boasts one of you know the most well-known and decorated quarterbacks in the country, Bo Nix. One of the most gritty uh, gamer yeah. type of court. I love, I, I love that we talked about Bo Nix right when we came back, like three years ago, 
And we're still talking about Bodex. And uh, Nick's, you know, is going to be a guy that's probably going to get drafted in the top 100 picks. He might be the quarterback three in this draft from what yeah. we're from what we're seeing. I mean, everybody's saying Caleb Williams, Drake May, and then question mark. And a lot of people are saying Bo Nix. And we know Jim Nagy, who has a lot of sway, he loves Bo Nix. They have uh, they have a great offensive line. Uh, you know that's what um, that's what their head coach Dan Lanning's really focused on coming in there. But none uh, of them are like top two day draft picks. No, no, and and a couple of them are transfers. Although the uh, a Johnny Cor- Cornelius could be could be a guy to pay attention to we talked about him in the transfer portal um is that the kid from from rhode island rhode island yeah yeah yeah. so he's a kid that we all i mean he honestly i think he was i mean he was recruited by you guys at yeah ohio state recruited him yeah he's a legitimate like day they think he could develop into a day two guy yeah yeah they really Um, do and and um you know, Bo Nix, let's let's go back to Bo. He's a potential first round pick at this point. Is he not? Yeah, and then they've got a they've got a receiver who's a potential day two pick in Troy Franklin. Uh, he's a potential about- yeah, I mean day one, day two. He was a he was a five star. Yeah, and he's a freak. Isn't he the one that's like six four and um my computer's frozen so I can't click on his profile right now i didn't uh, think he was that big but yeah he's um he six was three, sorry yeah six three yeah. 180 uh, but isn't he also like supposed to be lightning fast but yeah i mean you've got he came he, from the era where we don't have any high school testing because of covid but troy franklin was depending on what site you looked at he was a five star or four star yeah, he was a very highly rated. And he was one of those out. guys. He was recruited by every single big program. And he went to Oregon. Um, 61 catches last year, uh, 891 yards, nine touchdowns. And uh, Nick's, you know, I don't I don't necessarily agree that Bo Nix is a first-round prospect. I've never, you know, we've talked about him kind of jokingly um, being – like the, you know, guy, I mean, you and I and Emery Hunt talked about him having like the uh, grit game where where he would get gassed up because we were talking about uh, Jordan Palmer, his private quarterback coach, saying he was going to be a first-round pick uh, and the number one overall pick. So Knicks is a player I still think is, is probably like a day two prospect. Right, he's going to be 24. Uh, I wouldn't take him in the first round, but when you when you look at this situation, um, Nick spread the ball around quite a bit at Oregon, and he uses his legs a lot too. So Troy Franklin, if you looked at if if you put him on Bama last year or this year, he would be a guy who catches 90, 100 balls because they don't have better receivers than him, right? Um, but Oregon, uh, Nick spread the ball. And so say what you want about him, but uh, I think that's kind of an interesting 
thing. Um, I think we should also mention on the defensive side yeah. they've got they've got four guys who will probably be draftable in the secondary, uh, starting oh. with their own returner, uh, Trequeezy Bridges, uh, who had uh, five passes defense and three interceptions last year. Yeah. He's another little guy, 6'3", 185 <laughs> at, at, at corner. What a shrimp. Yeah, and then you've got, and then you've got three transfers, th- transfer ins. Kyrie Jackson out of Alabama, uh, Nico Reed out of Colorado, and we saw what they did with that last Colorado transfer. Right. And then uh, Christian and Gonzalez then, is who Seth is alluding to there. And then, uh, uh, sorry, hold on. Evan Williams from Fresno State, all draftable guys, or will probably end up being draftable guys. Um, and then they got a big transfer from Iowa to replace Noah Sewell, right? Enlighten me. Uh, yeah, they got a guy by the name of uh, Justin Jacobs, who was. Uh, oh, oh, wow. Uh, That's a good one. I didn't know uh, that. Or Justin Jacobs. Yeah, Justin. My bad, Justin. <laughs> but but uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to penalize him for spelling his name in a dumb way. That's his parents' fault. <laughs> right. But um, they got five-star recruit Jordan Birch coming in, too. Yeah, so they're just kind of... And loaded. Jordan Birch, Seth, correct me if I'm wrong, he was... Uh, I think some sites had him as the top overall recruit that year or at least in the top five right yeah and he i mean it's not like he played poorly at south carolina he he wasn't like he didn't live up to that billing right but um he was a five star and last year three and a half sacks seven and a half tackles for loss three pass breakups and you know we've seen what what oregon can do with with high level recruits uh jordan birch i had my concerns about you know i don't think he he was uh necessarily athletic enough to be gifted that high recruiting profile but that's he had a solid season at south carolina now he comes to oregon where i expect he's going to be even better like you said under lanning who has that defensive background so oregon is a legit program and I'm surprised they're I'm surprised Athlon has them behind this number three team. Well, I'm surprised this number three team's number three after the fact that they just win Pac twelve titles, right? I mean Hey, they do. You, Kyle Utah, Whittingham is a fantastic coach. I I mean when you put recruiting the recruiting portion aside because obviously he doesn't compete with day and Saban and, and uh, smart down in Georgia. And, and then all these other teams, you know, do a good job in terms of cyclical recruiting. I mean, even put Harbaugh in there at Michigan, but like nobody gets more out of, out of what they have on that roster than, than Kyle Whittingham every freaking year, dude. It's, it's legitimately it, insane. I mean, he's, just a fantastic coach. You cannot overspeak what he does. I mean, what were they last year? Eleven and four or ten? Yeah, 10 something and four. like that. I mean, 
but the, we saw them beat USC. They were clearly overmatched. I mean, I know uh, Caleb Williams got hurt in that game, but uh, so did Cameron Rising, who we're, we're talking about right now. Cameron Rising is coming back from a torn ACL. Uh, they really need him. Utah needs him to uh, really compete. But uh, this guy, I mean, he gave Ohio State tons of trouble in the Rose Bowl the year before. He gave USC everything they could handle in the Pac-12 championship last year. And it it really goes to the coaching of this guy, of, of uh, Whittingham. I mean, he's, he's a fantastic coach. And it's crazy to think that they have only two seniors. Uh, three, sorry. I forgot about Brent Keithy, who we both love. We both actually like more than Dalton Kincaid. He's, a, um, he's an H-back, though. Yeah, he is. And, and he's coming off an injury, so right. I don't know how much he's going to be able to uh, actually. He's going to be like 24, coming off the injury. But super, super. I mean, you think of uh, Kyle Juszczyk, right? Yeah. Keithy is that type of player, right? Right, and that's, and that's what he is. Um, but they also have, you know, you mentioned Cameron Rising, Keithy, and then the only other, like, true senior is uh, probably, I don't want to say their best because that I mean, is so tough with this group, but they're one of their better defensive players in to Travis Broughton. So, like, that's the crazy thing with this whole, their whole thing is that, they just they don't have a ton of guys, right? <laughs> like they don't have a ton of guys that you're like, oh, this is this is a dude that's gonna get drafted. And um and they just win games. So, you know, they Well look at pl- uh look at Devin Lloyd. I mean he gets drafted as a senior, right? I mean right. sometimes with these uh you know, second tier uh, power five conferences sometimes these they have late emerging guys right and and uh it takes the draft next like Dean Brugler and and uh you know Lance Zerline to really and Jim Nagy to really adopt these guys to get them in a position where they get drafted really highly uh, you and I weren't as high on those guys as as the uh, draft picks that I mentioned, but um, you can still pick. You can still pinpoint guys that might get uh, adopted, for lack of a better word, by those highly influ- influential draft picks, right? Yeah, and they do have one. He's a redshirt junior again. It's he—he's a fourth or fifth year guy. And, and with Cole the, Bishop, no, no, uh, Satua Lauma, oh, the, okay. the right tackle. And with these, um, with these LDS guys, quite frankly, you never, I, I you, you don't and, know. The, and Seth saying LDS, those are uh, uh, Mormons, Mormons, yeah, who go on their missions. They for go on the missions, years. so they become 
very old draft prospects. Right. And so that's why you see a lot of their like sophomores and juniors going into the draft because right. they've been out of school for five or six years. Already. We see that a lot with uh, Utah and BYU. Um, so, yeah. I mean, but I do want to mention Cole Bishop. I think he's probably oh, yeah. their highest rated draft pick for Utah. He had uh, 83 tackles, six uh, tackles for loss a pick and three pass breakups. He's a very much like, uh, you know, box safety, right? Right. And he's, but, and he's one of the leaders of that defense, but we see that he's highly ranked, um, as a day two guy. And you and I might not agree with that, but that's where he's being pigeonholed right now. Next on the list is Washington, and they bring back a bevy of, of talent <laughs> led by uh, Michael Penix. Who... I agree with this ranking. You know, uh, I think that Washington is actually the second best team in the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean they just have to they just have to figure out a way to not lose to Utah if they play Utah this year. I don't even right. know if they do, but like. <laughs> That's just that's just what it comes down to for most of these teams is like they don't... they're they're pretty stacked though, right? They are, and and they have a lot of talent. Maybe the second most talented team in the in the conference. Obviously, Michael Penix Jr. headlines it, but uh, Rome Odunze is their top wide receiver or offensive weapon. For I believe uh, it's Rome. Rome, sorry, sorry. That's okay, J- Jim Rome. Uh, um, you know and and that's the thing is like this is a team that you know we we talked about it they were not great um the the second year of jimmy lake um and they moved on quick and they rebounded quick they finished obviously 11 and 2 uh 7 and 2 in the in the pack 12 and that's kind of you know what happened and their two losses were to UCLA and ASU and, and that lot or and that loss to ASU is the one that really cost them that's inexcusable <laughs> why did right. they lose to ASU I mean I mean bad bad teams beat good teams every once in a while in college right <laughs> I know ASU. Ohio State lost to Purdue in 2019 I, so I was gonna say you you're Purdue in uh in Maryland one year wasn't it so. no no we did not lose to Maryland. <laughs> Strike that from from the record. But uh, Kalen DeBoer, their head coach, he's done a wonderful job at both Fresno State and his one year at Washington. I mean, he won. He won. Actually, at, yes, Seth. I think it like twenty ten. He did <laughs> lose to uh, MSU, but that wasn't a, a championship caliber team. But. Go ahead with what you're saying with the head coach because I want to add something to uh, my evaluation as a team because I think Washington's really good. I, they are, and they, you know, we talked about the two offensive players, and then they have a really, really highly ranked, and we, we made fun of this, but it, it's not a bad take. It's just an interesting take in, in that Braylon Trice is the, you, you know, what did uh, Matt Miller say, the number, you know, a, a top, 15 lock or whatever it was right um you know he had nine sacks last year he's he's let's see if he backs it up but like you know 
they've produced some guys lately, you know, with Joe Tryon and, and obviously their defensive backs have always been highly thought of. Trent McDuffie, Buda Baker, uh, Byron Murphy. So right. they've got they've just got a ton of talent. So uh, Penix, I don't think is a first round pick. Um, one of the issues that I that I have with him is that he's a lefty. I don't think he has a cannon arm, and some people kind of project that with him. But he's an, he's a really good college quarterback, and I think he will be a day two pick. And then uh, you you have two thousand yard receivers, in, as you said, Romeo Dunze and Jalen McMillan. Right, both those guys had over a thousand yards and then you got Braylon Trice and then you have Zion Tupuola Fatui, right? Yeah. Who, exactly how I said it too. Yeah. <laughs> uh two years ago that guy was a first round pick. He I think he had an Achilles injury. He came back, the production was not quite there. But he's coming off this injury, and now he's a senior. So, right there, we've named you know four or five Washington prospects that are going to be day one or day two picks, and that sets this team apart. The, did you mention their other receiver in Jalen McMillan? Yes, yes, okay. McMillan. Yeah. So you have. Um, in McMillan and Dunze, both 70-plus catches over 1,000 yards. Well, and that's the thing is their, their third receiver. I mean, this is the only team I can remember in recent years that can at least boast having three guys similar to what um, – Ohio State Ohio did. State has right because they with have Olave Cole. Wilson yeah. and and um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Jigba right yeah and like you just don't see teams that have yep three at one time draftable players like it just doesn't happen very who's often. who's the third one for Washington J- Jalen Polk right had right seven seven hundred yards and six yeah. touchdowns last so year. it's not quite on the level of what we saw from uh, Ohio State in twenty what twenty 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 one right where they had Olave Wilson Smith and Jigba but this is a stacked team and so yeah I agree with them being ranked number two here and, and then and of course number one is. Uh, is Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, and the USC Trojans, and, yeah. and they've got—I mean, they're just littered. As a as a Los Angeles native, I agree with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you look at the names, right? You look at the names both on offense and defense who yeah. are are draftable, and we can work. I mean, we can work backwards with this group. I mean, you've got you've got. Uh, Linebacker Eric Gentry, um, you've got uh, obviously the the safety Kalen Bullock. You've got Bullock you've got five picks, five pass breakups last year. 
uh, he's projected day two pick, right? Right. And then they brought in guys like um, Kyan Bars, Jamil Muhammad, Mason Cobb, like all to fill in along the defense. Because, I mean, if there's one thing that we always know and we always kind of joke about when it comes to Lincoln Riley teams, it's that they're if they're going to win games, it's going to be what? 65 to, to 60, right? Like, <laughs> right. They're going to get big 12 football. And, and they added a lot of guys, including um, a guy in, in Barrett Alexander, who was a really highly recruited guy out of um, Georgia. Who's not. Well, I guess he's tech. I don't know how any of this works, man. He might be draft eligible. I have to go back and look what year he was recruited. Um, they list him as a, a redshirt sophomore, but he's a redshirt sophomore transfer. So I don't, I don't know what the rules are anymore. Um, but you know, if and he's then, redshirt sophomore, he's draft eligible, man. I mean, that's that's the way it goes. And then, but you look at their weapons. Obviously, they had Brendan Rice and. and a different but same Mario Williams coming back. Uh, you know, <laughs> I like how you said that. It, a different but same Mario Williams because, right. yeah. And then, you know, they have their same tight end in Lake McCree. Uh, you know, they bring back their, their second leading rusher in Austin Jones. But they add Dorian Singer on the yep. offense. And that's kind of what everybody's expecting is him to be the – this year's you know he's uh jordan addison this year right right and he's listed we always know that's if he listed as a bigger guy than jordan addison at six one one nine so right but still i mean same ballpark right i mean and the thing is that you you've got singer you've got uh mario williams you've got caleb williams uh you USC has no business losing this conference. No, and they really had no business losing it last year. And they wouldn't have if Williams doesn't get hurt during the game, right? Well, and they they looked at that and they brought in um, Michael Tarkin and Jarrett Kingston, both uh, senior transfers along the offensive line. Because they're both basically like, look, yeah, we have – but they All didn't. These, Williams didn't get hurt because they didn't have no, a good offensive line. No, he got hurt look, running. <laughs> right. He just pulled up lame. And then you know you look at it, and guys will probably be talking about it in a couple of years. Um, you know they have Deuce Robinson, who's a uh, six foot six, n- the number one tight end in the country, and Zachariah Branch, the number one wide receiver. They uh, still have Corey Foreman too, who was a five-star recruit. I think he's a senior now, right? And Junior or senior, up. right? Yeah, and that's the thing is they're just they're just loaded. Like you said, they have no business losing this. So they're not loaded in the way that Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia are loaded, but they're loaded in the way that. Uh, Oregon is loaded or um, 
you know, I, I think that's kind of it. it. You know, Clemson, right? I mean, USC should be a top five or six program for the foreseeable future. And if they're not, it's kind of embarrassing. And honestly, I mean, they're like, you look at Michigan, they've kind of overachieved, right? Because they don't have the recruiting power of Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, right? But USC now does. So if they're not on par with these programs, then it becomes a coaching issue. And that's kind of what the criticism has been of like a Ryan Day who's lost uh, two games in a row to Michigan. So USC should run away with this conference. So let me uh, give you this hot take. Yeah. All right. So this is from a former beat guy that covered the Iowa Hawkeyes. So (laughs) obviously his passion is offense. Um, But (laughs) but like he, I I, I do. I love Iowa, by the way. They're awesome. Great program. Interesting point. Uh, His name's at... Uh, at the B is in boy styles S T I L E S on Twitter. And he says, just going to throw this out there. If I'm Lincoln Riley and my defense is a tire fire again, this season, I'm taking a hard look at hiring Jim Leonard as my DC, just as USC enters the league, since he would already know how to prepare for most of the teams. Because remember, this is their last year in the Pac-12. We joked about right. it at the beginning. Then they're coming they're, into the Big Ten. Yeah. yeah. So what do you – I mean, we know that their offense – So Leonard's will, still the D.C. at Wisconsin, right? I th- I think – I believe so. I think if I know – if I paid attention, which is very <laughs> – I know. He went to Illinois. No. Yeah. Jim Leonard? Yeah, he he went to Illinois. Oh, this to start this year. Yeah. Okay. So, so, and he's just a senior football analyst, so he's not the defensive coordinator. He's not any of that jazz. Oh, so, wow. so, I mean, we talked about UCLA kind of taking a a bridge season to prepare for getting into the Big Ten. USC should win the final season of the Pac-12, barring injuries to Caleb Williams. But if they're, like, as we joked about, winning games, you know, 48 to to 35 in the Pac-12, they're probably going to lose those games in the Big Ten when they're only able to score 28 points, but they're still giving up 35 points. Yeah, I think you're right, man. I they're going to have to travel thousands of miles for one. Well, and they're going to play in the freaking middle of winter in and, and the, the Midwest. I don't think that's as big of a factor as people make it out to be because the uh, Big Ten regular season ends around Thanksgiving, right? I mean, so as someone who's lived here almost my entire life, uh, the the big snowstorms and the big you know, weather events don't happen until, you know, yeah, you'll get the anomaly game. Like, for example, Ohio State uh, Northwestern last 
like Halloween was ridiculous. There was like 50 mile an hour winds and people used that to criticize CJ Stroud. I mean, they they were playing at 40 mile an hour winds in October, but um but to your point, it would be incredibly beneficial for a guy like like Lincoln Riley's uh, defensive coordinator is Alex Grinch right now, and he he failed pretty miserably as the defensive coordinator for Ohio State a couple of years ago. Uh, that's why they have Jim Knowles now, and Grinch uh, was, I, I believe, he was there at uh, Oklahoma State as a DC. Or some kind of high-level defensive coach, and um, did well. That's why Ohio State brought him on. But um, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna face different levels of weather in the Big Ten. So would it be beneficial to Lincoln Riley to to come in and hire uh, Jim Leonard? Absolutely, <laughs> for sure. For sure. If you could pay him more. I mean, this guy, Jim Leonard was, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Seth, he was under consideration for NFL defensive coordinator jobs based on what he did with uh, the Baltimore Ravens, right? Yeah, and so it's just interesting how this all kind of goes about and, and where this is going to end up because it's just not worked out and is it i mean is it just because the offense is so it's creating so many possessions and they just cannot keep up defensively no matter what happens i think it's about how uh where recruits want to play i mean we you and i have talked about this extensively um the the ultimate athletes are playing receiver right now, right? And there is a shortage of people playing cornerback because all the best cornerback players, they're gravitating toward playing receiver. And one of the interesting things that's going to come out uh, over the next few years is is, uh, running backs. These kids that are coming up playing running backs – they're, they're going to stop playing running backs because uh, the NFL is treating running back like a pariah position where, like, why would you do that to yourself, right? So you're going to start, like, for example, Travian Henderson, excellent running back for Ohio State, it, he played quarterback a lot in, in high school. Uh, if he had it to do over again, looking at like the Jonathan Taylor situation, would he just decide to play cornerback? He was a good cornerback. He was a really good cornerback. So uh, what do you do with that? I mean, and then ultimately nobody's going to want to play running back. So only a few players are going to play running back. They're going to be... Uh, you're going to come up with a situation where uh, only a few players are playing running backs, and now all of a sudden that's a premium position, right? 
Right. And so we'll just see how this all kind of works out. But this is an interesting. Yeah. Interesting time for the Pac-12. And it, do you think let's end with this. Do you think USC makes the college football playoffs this year? Um, the fi- This is the final year of only four teams, if I remember right. Correct. I believe so. I believe so. And um, I think USC. Yeah, I think USC does make the college football playoffs this year. I think it's going to be uh, Ohio State, USC, Georgia, and maybe uh, Michigan. I don't know though. I mean that 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 fourth spot is up for grabs. I mean, you're going to have one uh, Big Ten slot make it for sure. But uh, yeah, I think that's going to be how it ends up. I, mean, I think it's going to be Ohio State, Michigan, uh, USC, and uh, Georgia. But it's tough because. You know, uh, we've talked about it. A few of these teams have quarterback battles that haven't even been sussed out. So it's going to be, this is a wild card year. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. That'll be it from us tonight. We'll be back later this week with another episode of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. For they, probably Big 12, right? Yeah, so super exciting to find Sign up for Patreon because uh, you'll get to see our Big Ten and uh, our our Big 12 and our ACC because all those are on Patreon right now. Yep. It should be fun, though. We'll be back later this week with another episode. Have a great night, everybody.